Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Picture at Los Angeles 2022. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I'm H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of episodes. So now we are rewatching, not rewatching, we're watching all 24 episodes of the Golden Palace, which of course is a spinoff of the Golden Girls and is currently streaming in the United States on Hulu. Yay. And we just watched season one, episode 17, titled Say Goodbye, Rose, which aired on February 12th, 1993. And is the one where, oh boy. Yeah, the oh ho- boy is right. The, the one hotel, where, oh boy. <laughs> the hotel is hosting a comedy competition and Blanche's son wants to be a comedian and Chewie does too. And Roland wants to write jokes for him. And Sophia wants her old pal to be in the show. And also Rose dates a hotel guest who looks just like her dead husband, Charlie. It reminded me of the episode where, Dor- I mean, of course, where Dorothy wants to do uh, stand up. It also reminded me a little bit of the Bob Hope episode. Oh yes. The Bob, because yes, you're right. Because of uh, George Burns. Yes. On the episode. The, yeah. yeah, this, you know, a big, big, you know, big famous comic actor at the end who gets like a couple of minutes of screen time all to himself. Quite a bit of screen time. But honestly. it was George Burns. Yeah, you know what but, I mean? I mean, even Bob Hope didn't get that much screen time. It was George Burns. That's true. George Burns. Um, I've always thought George Burns is cooler than Bob Hope. Just because he was weirder. You know what I mean? Like the whole like Burns and his wife, um, Grace. Gracie? Gracie Allen yeah. mm-hmm. and how she ran for president like one year or senator or something one year as a joke literally as a joke I didn't and know that how how wildly popular they were both as radio people but also as television people and how they were they were popular as a couple and then of course mm-hmm. when she died it was like tragic and everyone yeah. rallied behind him and he won an Oscar and it was a whole thing but really fascinating career George Brown yeah yeah, and I thought the time was well deserved. It had yeah. also felt a little bit like um, they were trying to save the show. Like they knew yes. at this point that we really need these ratings. Let's get George Burns. Um, the comedy storyline I did not much care for. However, even even the the storyline of Rose seeing uh, dating a man who looks just like Charlie. The thing I did like about that was that it. It was very sweet at the end and we'll get into it, but it's, to me, it was sort of about the unconventional ways we sometimes get closure. Yeah. Um, You know, so I I did enjoy that story. Do you think they had a, maybe you would know this because I, I hate television writing um, the writer's room, at least I always did. Uh, And so part of me is like, I wonder why they can't reference certain stories from the original series, golden girls. Is it a copyright thing? Is it something? Because like there are so many moments on the Golden Palace where 
there's connectors in stories, meaning like, you know, Charlie uh, and, and having her sort of have this experience and then maybe Blanche dating Charlie or being and then having that confusion with the whole development of the film and all of that. And that would have been a great thing to call back too in this episode and there's so many moments like that on the golden palace but they never call back to the golden girls well i think it's for two reasons one i think that if it's not super applicable to the story itself like it doesn't and also the thing about sitcoms is that it's a situational comedy these aren't big arcs we're ever really seeing except for like when you date someone like when rose dates miles so unless you're you know, and the golden was the golden, the golden girls, were they in reruns at this point? Oh yeah, fully. So, you know, what are the, what are the odds that someone watching is going to get that reference at the time when you're writing it? Right. Mm -hmm. So like that, I think, I don't know, that's just my best guess as to why they wouldn't do it. I was actually surprised. There was a moment where Rose mentioned to, um, not dead Charlie that, uh, she lost Charlie really fast and, and it was quite sudden. And I was like, oh my gosh, is she going to tell him that also she killed him while sleeping with him? Yeah. Um, but she didn't. And I was like, well, maybe they, they didn't want to joke in that moment. Um, also probably like, maybe it's just us fans who want those callbacks to the Golden Girls because we geek out on so many episodes of the Golden Girls. Whereas this was just a show developing a story for a sitcom mm-hmm. and, and honestly that, yeah like some of the writers may have forgotten those details yeah. to be honest like they, that's why I, they I need us stuff. in the room they need yeah. us in the room with our little yes. notepads being like mm-hmm. well do you remember when blanche yeah. almost slept with charlie but mm-hmm. it wasn't because it was of the film yeah yeah no i know I, yeah i'm with you because yeah yes yes i i i absolutely hear you there is a moment when rose shows Blanche a photo of uh of not dead Charlie and and or no she shows him a photo of Charlie she's like oh it's the that's the guest out there or whatever and the yeah Yeah. there was a perfect opportunity for that kind of joke I totally hear you we also Um, need to acknowledge two things from this episode because George Burns wasn't the only major guest star on this episode there was another very famous act too well two famous people one person who became famous and one person mm -hmm. who was very famous for the majority of his career all Uh, right Eddie Albert. Eddie yes. Albert. Eddie Albert was in Green Acres. He was nominated for two Oscars. He was in Roman Holiday. What an amazing film that movie is. He's like, I mean, he's at the level of George Burns in terms of like Hollywood character actors. Like he was, he was a big deal. Built Eddie Albert. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know who he was. Really? And his I mean, re- that's not a bad thing. I don't res- think. Not- respect, respect to all actors. A lot of times it's not their fault. Sometimes they're miscast. Yeah. I was, I was troubled by his performance because watching him, it felt to me like in every scene, he was going to kill Rose. You think so? I think so. He was so... Mm, I um it's I just I couldn't I couldn't get on board with him. I it, I do think cuz when I saw him I immediately thought of Roman Holiday and then of course I thought of Green Acres after the fact cuz I didn't really ever care about Green Acres I except for that I loved loved love Eva Gabor on Green Acres and I love Eva Gabor in general. Um but he's a big deal. He was a big deal and I was surprised that he didn't get I mean he was nominated for two Oscars. Like he, I'm surprised he didn't get more of a, 
I don't know, an applause moment. Because I guess he's not as big as George Burns, but he's he's still a big deal. He's yeah. A, he's I apologize. I have not seen either one of those things that you mentioned. Never seen Roman Holiday? No. Oh my God. Roman Holiday is probably one of the best romantic comedies in the history of romantic comedies. It is better than Harold and Maud. Better than Harold and Maud. It is up there. It was the introduction of Audrey Hepburn to the cinema. It was she won the Oscar for it for best actress. It was sort of like this moment where this woman came and just sort of took over Hollywood in a way and, mm-hmm. and mesmerized Hollywood. And Roman Holiday was such like a a pinnacle for like romantic comedies because it had sort of shifted in the years from like Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy doing a bunch of romantic ho- or romantic comedies. And and this was this shift into sort of a younger generation doing these sort of quirky romantic comedies where she played like a a princess or a queen i forget which one she was and she just hated it and she needed to get away from the day so she leaves in rome i think it's rome or paris i always forget i confuse rome and paris all the time in movies but i think it's rome and they're they're they ride around rome on this little moped um uh, and just sort of have this like and she pretends not to be a princess for a day and lives just like a normal person a great film a wonderful film you really should watch it I feel like I've practically seen it because what you just described was um, a small arc on Saved by the Bell when they oh were God. living at the beach house with <laughs> Leah Remini. Slater meets this girl and she's really cool. And then after like three episodes, he finds out she's a princess. That's practically the I same. have a feeling they took that from Roman Holiday. Also in Probably. Roman Holiday, another great actor, Gregory Peck from, you know, it's To Kill a Mockingbird. It's yes. the Oscar for massive. What a, what a stud, too. Oh, my God. That whole movie. Watch Roman Holiday. You have to. All right. Well, now I'll watch it, even though I've seen it. Um, okay. <laughs> let's. We got. I have so much to talk about in this episode. Okay. So we start with Chewy hey, and Roland. We have to take a break. We have to take a break. And then oh, we have we to will... take a break. And then we're going to. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're we're ready. We're ready. Start. We're ready, ready to do this episode. Okay. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thank God we took that break. I had to drink some water. Um, okay. So we start with Chewy and Roland in the lobby. And oh God. So they Roland then, in this episode teases Chewy quite a bit as well. This is a back-to-back teasing of of Chewy episodes. And I am not here for it. I know. But that's why it's a situational comedy. The characters reset at the end of every week. You just hit that reset <laughs> button. It doesn't matter what happened last week. True. Um, so they've turned their ballroom. This is the first mention of a ballroom, I believe, but they've turned their ballroom ballroom into a comedy club and they're going to make a ton of money on the comedy competition. And Blanche comes in and says that, uh, later she comes in and says that the show is almost sold out. Now I have a problem with this. Why? This is a genius idea for no, 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 no. This This is is me. I'm pulling my CSI logistics stuff. Listen, no, listen to me. me. You're a comedian. You know this. They're selling tickets to a comedy competition show. 
in a ballroom. Yeah. So that's basically an open mic with like at least a hundred seats. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're almost sold out. As someone who sold tickets to comedy shows, her own comedy shows before, it's hard to sell out a 50 seat room in Brooklyn with like real legit comedians. The only time I was ever to sell able to sell it like a 50 seat room was when I had Janine Garofalo on and yeah. I had Michael Showalter on my show. But you're telling me they're going to sell out of like, we don't know how big this ballroom is. I feel like I'm going conservative with the 100 seats. They're going to sell out an open mic. Well, okay, let's With back up here. Non-established comedians. You're thinking you, you you're in a different they're in a different market here. You were in New York City. They had a, a plethora of options for comedy. One thing that any person who has done comedy outside of a major city like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, etc. Miami's a major city, but it's not like New York and Los Angeles for comedy, is that there is a limited options. There are limited options in terms of where you can go see comedy. So for a hotel to offer a comedy night, it's a good business model in that if you have, you sell tickets, you have a two drink minimum at the show, that's giving revenue to the bar in a way, in a market where there's not a lot of comedy venues. And this is a great space for people to come in and find the Golden Palace and see this comedy show. Great space to get up emerging comics, some a little talent, maybe emerging chewies out there to get up on stage and try out stand up. I think this is a fantastic idea, both for the hotel, but also for the local comedy scene in Miami. Okay. All right. You want me back. I'm I mean, just because negative. it's so like, yes, we've done, we've, but we've all struggled to sell tickets to shows before. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, we're not insanely famous. So it's hard to sell tickets and sell out shows. But I'll tell you this, when I performed in, uh, oh God, this middle of nowhere, Colorado, I'm forgetting the name of the town even. And I was doing a show in Denver, but I went up to see friends in this little town. Or I went up to see a friend, one friend who knew nobody else in this town. And they were like, oh, you're a standup. You should do a show. I went and did a show at the local bar. It sat like maybe also like 50, 75 people. Guess what? I sold out that bar. Why? Because they don't get any comedians coming to their town. They are dying for like talent to come to their town. So in a bar like this or a situation like this, I can see them doing very well and selling out, even if it is an open mic. Okay. You've won me back over. Thank you. You've won me back over. By the way, did I ever tell you about the time? My very first, I won't even say job because I didn't make any money. Um, I was swayed by Craigslist, those ads that are like, hey, do you want to make like a thousand bucks a week? Come sell tickets for the improv in Times Square oh. or whatever. And I did. I was a ticket barker and I did it for a day. Wow. Um, and it was like people who worked in Times Square on their lunch break who get barked yeah. at by young people trying to sell comedy wow. tickets. And I remember um, I would try more to talk to women than men. And I remember this woman was walking by and I was like, hey, excuse me, man, do you, ma'am, do you like comedy? And she pushed me up against the MTV building and blamed me for 9-11. And then I went back to the improv and I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> I went, I used to, there's a thing in New York. It's, it's not, it's really only a thing in New York. I think I, I never really have experienced it anywhere else. A little bit in London when I performed in London and I was just sort of doing rounds, like doing some shows in London. This was before I was on a tour there. I, I, they asked me to do this and they'll sometimes ask you to bark tickets to, to get tickets to come to your show that night. Right. Yeah. And I would never do that. I would tell them, listen, you want me to bark tickets? Don't pay me. I'm not going to do it. Like, I, and if you don't want me on the show, then great. I'll just go do another show. Like, I'm not going to bark tickets, but it's a big deal. It's a big, big thing that people in New York, a lot of times clubs will use younger comics to get, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll offer them stage time in, in lieu of sort of barking and, you know, trying to sell tickets. Or bringing friends. 
yeah and it's just it's it's a it's a rough it's a rough world out there for stand-ups when it's just like these young kids they just want to get up in a space where they can just do comedy which is why the golden palace is offering these local miami comedians such a good thing and chewy chewy wants to get his start he wants yeah. to he he wants to apply to be in the comedy competition but he wants to change his stage name to corny castillos because which he thinks, i love he thinks it's funny i thought it was cute as someone with a stage name i support it <laughs> yes <laughs> um so roland thinks that chewy's jokes aren't that great and he needs a writer and he's like hey i'll do it and i was like oh my god this is great this is hacks. like he wouldn't hit the ball happening he right wouldn't hit the ball so or wouldn't like volley the ball to chewy this yeah. time he's taking over writing writing jokes for chewy and i don't like it yeah i mean chewy's well we'll see what chewy's fate is at the very end of the episode yeah. uh and then sophia also wants in on this comedy competition and Roland's like, yeah, what's your stage name going to be? Mom's Patrillo. And she goes, boy, you make one adult party record in the 50s and it haunts you all your life. What now, is an I adult had to, party record? I had, to, I had to look this up. So apparently in the days before stand-up, um, like before stand-up comedy and performing stand-up comedy was a thing, yeah. these, these funny people would basically make records i fucking love that um i love and they're that. and they're a little naughty i'm reading like oh i was reading who would do it they're produced and distributed by labels like dudo and laugh so good um so good i love uh, that i love oh, that red so fox lawanda page richard pryor that was the um, original they all recorded podcast. those albums original podcast you know who won i mm -hmm. believe i believe the first grammy for best album was um bob newhart lily tomlin oh no. bob newhart bob newhart for a comedy album for his comedy album oh that's fun which is wild fun. to think of that, that that's how i guess that's how popular they were i mean it's weird that they would call mm -hmm. them what do they call it party records yeah adult party records which is like it's just a comedy album it's like <laughs> it's just that's right, all right but maybe but maybe you know but maybe they were like the material was like very risque you know because maybe awesome. you weren't seeing that stuff in radio and tv at the time because of advertisers you know yeah that's true um, i will say people should go listen to bob newhart's album because it's probably one of the best comedy albums you'll ever listen to in your life great plug it yeah. um he doesn't really need that but okay no. um sophia um also says that she a guy she knows from the old neighborhood is in town and she wants him to do the show and she can't quite remember his name it's like he was like part of a duo like johnson and williams or williams and williams or williams and johnson or it's really it's just a funny runner that they do uh meanwhile blanche announces that her son matthew is coming for a visit this is we've I don't, we've never seen a Blanche son before, have we? I don't think so. No. Lots of daughters. No, she talks about like her son Skippy. Skippy, my, my son Skippy. You know, he was born. I wrapped him in that towel. Yeah. You lie. Um. So anyway, he's coming for a visit. We'll meet him soon. Fine. Then a man named uh, Bill Douglas shows up, and he's checking in and Blanche recognizes him. And this is kind of a funny bit. She's like, she knows him. She's like, what do you do for a living? And he says, I own a mattress factory. And there's a big laugh. And he goes, maybe you've heard about our line, Douglas mattresses, the mattress that'll last a lifetime. And she goes, oh, yes, I've had three of those. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. Line. Oh, such I... a great 
it was and it caught me off guard because i was i was writing notes and sort of doing lots of different things as we watch so lots of times i miss little moments as listeners know i'm sorry (laughs) and (laughs) and as soon as i heard that line i bust up laughing i stopped what i was doing and i had to laugh yes so funny so then rose comes into the lobby she sees bill douglas screams and runs away and which is so funny. That is one of the funniest things you can do to anybody ever. And I just scream is, and run away. I do that to many different people. Whenever, mm-hmm. like, when people pop up on Zooms and stuff, sometimes on my other podcast, you're making it worse when Elliot or Brent will be the last one in the room. You know, we'll all be on the room. As soon as they'll pop in, I'll be like, ow! <laughs> and then I'll like, scream my eyes or something. It's a stupid <laughs> bit, but I love I it. I like it. I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so uh, Rose runs into the kitchen and Chewie is in there cooking and he sees her and he goes, I loved this joke so much. He goes, Rose, you seem shaken like you've, and she interrupts him and she goes, seen a ghost? And he's like, no, I was going to say drinking heavily. <laughs> <laughs> So Blanche runs in to check on her. And this is where Rose reveals that Mr. Douglas looks exactly like her dead husband. Now, okay, I need, I need, I need to talk about this. So there are times in my life where I see someone and I'm like, oh my God, that's X, Y, Z. And it often is a serial killer or someone related to a true crime thing that I am obsessed with. And there was one time... (laughs) Oh God, this is so bad. There was one time at a party, at an engagement party or a wedding party, I forget what it was. And I, it was at their apartment, it was very casual. And it was a lot of different people. But you know how those things, you meet like your friends, families and stuff because mm-hmm. they all come in for the wedding thing and whatever. And, but you don't know anyone, but you only know like your friends and that part of their life, right? Right. And I see this man across, <laughs> I see this man across the way and I'm like, oh, that's the toy box killer. Like I, I am convinced that it is the, so there was this killer in um, uh, Truth and Consequences, New Mexico, who that's a real town. It's named after a game show in the fifties. There was a contest in the fifties where towns competed for this game shows thing. And then the, they would agree to change their town name to the name of the show, Truth and Consequences. And they would like the, the guy who hosted the show would come to the town and like be in the parade every year. And he does it to this day. He still is the thing. Anyway, the serial killer in this town, Truth and Consequences, would take people to his trailer and do like sadistic things, whatever, like really gross things. And then sometimes he would let them go and sometimes he would kill them. And he got discovered because someone through hypnosis or something remembered something from the one of the attacks and that's how they connected, whatever. Okay, so I was like, I know this isn't the toy box killer because I think he's even dead at this point, but I was shocked at how much this man looked like the toy box, the toy, you know, killer. And I went up to the bride, a friend of mine, who who also shares a love of true crime. And I was like, I cannot believe this person at your party looks exactly like the toy box killer. And I pull up the photo and I point to the man. It's her father. (laughs) Oh, no. She had a good laugh, which is I love um because she's a comedian so she understood the humor and the situation but it it's fully her father wow so i've been in rose's situation before where you just are convinced that this person looks so much like this person that you know she knew 
me, I don't. I well, the crazy that. thing is, is that her father did end up being a serial killer, just not the toy box killer. He was a different kind of killer. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> All right. So I love it. We've gone off on so many tangents already. Welcome back. This to episode is great for that, though, because this episode is so unhinged in a way that is yeah there's kind a of wonderful on. yeah so yes yeah, so um mr doug looks looks just like charlie which kind of reminds me of the episode where blanche hangs out with george's brother jamie and she can't get over how much he looks exactly like him and yeah, yeah. um the time that uh blanche sees george mm -hmm. and thinks he's a ghost but then it turns out he faked his own death but then it turns out she was dreaming the whole time yeah. Yeah. um so that's what it kind of reminded me of um so rose feels bad because she's like i just screamed and freaked out in front of a guest and blanche is like i think it's probably best if you avoid this guy while he's here and rose is basically like no no i'm a grown-up i'm professional i can totally handle myself and then she goes to leave and she goes of course, if he kisses like Charlie, they're going to have to use the jaws of life to get me off of him. I was like, oh, boy, because they had a very I mean, as we know from an episode of the Golden Girls, they had sex what like once a day, once a day, which yeah. is or maybe even twice a day, which is just I'm sorry, I don't I'm not going to judge anyone's sex lives, but that is way too I have I'm busy. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it was when they were retired or something. I don't know. Or maybe not. If it's when they're retired, God bless them. Yeah. Good for them. So meanwhile, in the lobby, um, Roland is pitching jokes for Chewy that he wants to write for him. They're so bad. Actually, okay, I really like this one. He said, um, too bad Al Gore is not a waiter because he married a good tipper. No, see, the audience is... booed. I was like, yeah. you know what? I like that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, though Clinton did was just elected. So maybe there was some polarization in the audience, but these aren't jokes. These are dad jokes, which is a different type of joke that you would not perform in a stand-up set. You feel me? No. So that joke is a bada boom ching sort of joke that no longer works in traditional stand-up. Even Mitch Hedberg makes jokes like that, made jokes like that. And does he do stand-up regularly? Well, he did. Yeah, he he's did, no longer but alive. No longer, but, but he did. But he did. He do jokes like that in his stand up in when he in his last years of his life. No, because stand up evolved, and even the stand up that George Burns was doing on this show would not fit the joke that Roland was offering because it's a different. It's a 60s, 70s style of comedy that doesn't work in the same way that like modern sort of at that time stand up did. The Seinfeld stand up was big at that time, like story driven stand up, and even older comics like Phyllis Diller. And Joan and Joan, uh, not Joan Crawford, Joan Rivers. They 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 sort of started to evolve in that way and do sort of the broader the broader bits and the larger bits and the connecting bits and all of that. So that's a dad joke. That's not a stand up joke. I I think it is still a stand up joke. Okay, so Mitch Hedberg, for example, who was like big in the '90s when this is happening, mm -hmm. Mitch and Mitch Hedberg, I don't even think started doing comedy to like the very late '80s. So this is probably when he was like at his peak. Like one of his jokes was just, um, it was like a friend, a friend asked me if I wanted a, hold on, a friend asked, I'm going to butcher this. A friend asked me if I wanted a frozen banana. And I said, no, but I would like a regular banana later. So yes. And that's it. Yeah. But see, the thing that works in that one is, and it works with how Mitch 
presented himself, which uh-huh. is very different from how Chewie's presenting himself. That's a dad joke that Roland's offering. That's not a, you know, a aloof dude who's on stage just sort of doing absurd humor. That's a different thing. That was a okay. bit. It was like a whole, it fits within the, the type. But Chewie is not doing dad jokes. Either way, Chewie's like not into Roland writing jokes. And Chewie smartly is just like, it's not funny, which I think is the mark of a good comic. When you can hear a joke and be like, instead of chasing the laugh, no, you listen for a good joke. Yeah, but later Chewie pitches a joke that's even worse than that. He does, which proves that he should not be doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> okay, all right, so let's <laughs> talk about, so then Blanche's son, Matthew, shows up. And Matthew is played by Bill Engvall. Is that Who's how you say his Yeah, name? he's a yes. really big comic. He um, yes. So he's a part of the blue collar comedy circuit, yeah. and he became mm-hmm. after the Golden Palace. He won some big stand up um, award thing. I forget what it was, and he got cast on a show that Delta Burke did right after Designing Women, and it was a big deal. And he kind of started his career from there. He's done a bunch of stuff, and I've met him before. He is the nicest stand up. You will ever meet he's and he's and because he's not his stand-up is not sort of what i sort of lean into or like um that whole blue collar sort of like mm-hmm. redneck type humor it's like that doesn't really do it for me but he's a very very nice man and i think he's very funny so i also because i knew him as a stand-up i was like oh this is interesting i thought maybe at that time he was sort of like uh you know an up-and-coming popular stand-up but he doesn't do any stand up. Yeah, on no, that's show. that's the wild thing. But he was doing he had hosted a show with Rosie O'Donnell, I think on like VH1 or A&E or something and like stand up stuff. And he had he was a very active. He wasn't a big comic. He wasn't like Seinfeld level, but he yeah. was he was doing a lot of work and he was he was rising very the, literally the next year he became big. It's so funny. This whole episode, we spend so much time talking about doing stand up and like pitching jokes and stuff. And the nobody only actually does stand up. Barely. He sings a song. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know, which is so wild to me. We'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Matthew shows up. This and bit is so funny to me. I, yes, it was very funny. I like, he immediately, like, we, we don't, we've never met this character before. All Blanche says is, Oh my gosh, it's so good to see. We I have so many plans for us. And he immediately sits her down and he's yeah. like, I'm really nervous about telling you something. And he goes, You and I have a lot more in common than you think. We like the same things. I mean, and Blanche goes, Honey, the only thing I really like is me. <gasps> You're gay. I was so obsessed because the the setup for this was so. I mean, it was a bit lazy writing, but it was so good at the same time. The payoff for it was so good because Blanche, having a a weird history with family Mm -hmm. members coming out, she has since very much evolved and she has become a very big, I mean, the excitement on her face with the possibility that her son is gay warms the hearts of queer people and straight allies across the world. It is a wonderful moment. It was so wonderful. Um, and, you know, and she she thinks he's gay and he's like, no, 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 no. The, you know, the thing we have in common is that we both like taking chances. Like when you bought this hotel, I've decided to stop being a stockbroker and become a stand-up comic. Yeah. And she's like, honey, if this is your roundabout way of telling me you're gay, I'm okay with it. And he's I like, love it. 
no, no, I'm not. And she's like, oh, but honey, you are. And she's like, remember those open-toed sandals you wore in high school? So funny. So funny. I love it. Yeah, she just wants it so bad. And then, um, but she tells him that being a comedian is undignified. Mm. Um, And he says that, uh, you know, he's been performing at some clubs and he's not so bad. And when she wrote him to tell him about the comedy competition, he decided to come down and enter so she could see for herself. And I sort of felt like this was the writers of the show kind of channeling their own experience of telling their parents like, Hey, I know I got a business degree and everything and yeah. you helped me pay the way, but like, I'm going to be a TV writer really? and their parents every, going, that is undignified. Every kid. I think every kid who becomes an artist in some capacity, actor, writer, musician, comic, whatever it is, drag that it, you have that weird conversation with your parents where for me, for example, I, my mother to this day does not understand how I make money. She doesn't get it. She doesn't know where it comes from. She doesn't know how it happens. She doesn't know how it works. All she knows is that I survive and it works somehow. And and she sees the things that I do. She listens to like the you mentioned hacks earlier. She listens to the Gene Smart interview that I did with hacks and she does not get how I made money from doing that interview. And talking I'm like, to someone from just, That's just really from talking to someone. And yeah. it's just such a foreign idea to her. But she but at the same time, they eventually at first it was not an easy thing i had to have regular jobs for a long 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 time and Mm -hmm. then when i made the break post chemo to really focus on doing artistic things it 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 became a source of you know frustration but eventually it becomes a source of pride in the parent like Mm -hmm. because that she becomes you find out in little areas that she's like gloating or the little moments of like she'll tell someone oh well you know i saw him on tv or i heard him do this or these things and you never hear it. She'll never say it to me, but I'll mm-hmm. hear it from somebody. Domino, effect, oh, you know, that's it, fun. Yeah, it's a nice thing. It becomes OK, but yeah, you know, she's a proud you, mama, even if she's to, not 100 percent sure what she's proud of. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you have like to I, process. I, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. So Blanche's response is, I think, on par with how a lot yeah. of kids get from their parents. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, in the dining room, um, Rose is, uh, decided she's going to try to talk to not the ghost of Charlie. Um, so she apologizes for screaming earlier and she's about to tell him why, but she changes her mind. She stops herself. And instead she says it's because she forgot to, she, she screamed because she forgot she left the iron on back home again but she sold the home in 1976 so she probably would have heard something by now I, the, the, the 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 cackle that came from my mouth after she said i sold the house in 1976 i died i literally died this episode is bonkers on so many levels but it is so good oh it's bonkers in that um not the ghost of charlie asks rose about herself and she's like oh i'm from saint olaf minnesota have you ever heard of it and he's like of course i honeymooned there no, and then uh, that was it that's like no follow-up that's like somebody honeymooning in like truth and consequences new mexico like it, it, <laughs> but like it wasn't a joke it, it wasn't like oh how did you end up in saint Olaf? it was just accepted as if yeah. like it was Barcelona, like <laughs> no follow-up. Um, so he asks her out to dinner and yeah. like, great. So now she's going to go out oh, to dinner sweet. with not the ghost of Charlie. Oh, sweet. Um, so 
Meanwhile, in the kitchen, uh, Roland is setting the, I love how seriously they treat this. Roland is setting the lineup for the show and he wants to know if Chewie still insists on being on it because his jokes stink. And one of Roland his is Chewie's, mean. he is being mean, but again, I still think the tipper gore joke is better than Chewie's. I dreamt I was eating a giant marshmallow. And when I woke up, my pillow was gone. And Roland goes, that joke is so old. P is adorable wouldn't marry it that reference is so old that reference comes from 1982 10 years before this show came on the air is is that one piazadora married yeah. that old guy well in the piazadora i don't know if that was the the ref what wait the reference was her marriage or the reference was piazadora buying the golden globe oh no i think it was the reference was piazadora marrying regardless she, she was 19 and she married a 49 year old man yeah i think that was in the early 80s and yeah the 40 yeah he bought the golden globe which was in the early 80s or something so like it's an old reference roland well then it would have been funny if sophia was like that joke is so old that yes. blah, blah, you know what i mean yes um so uh so then blanche's son matthew strolls into the kitchen like he owns the joint <laughs> which, um, i mean let's be real he probably will at some point Oh, that's stark. Let's not go there. <laughs> She's not the sole owner of it. He would have um, a part of it. And so um, would so would uh well Dorothy's kid wouldn't, I guess. Michael wouldn't. No, no, Michael wouldn't. Maybe from Sophia, Michael would. Rose's kids would. Yeah, Rose's kids yeah. would. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Dorothy might. Dorothy yeah. and um uh Gloria. Yeah. Um, okay, so Blanche approaches her son, Matthew, and she's like, hey, by the way, you're not entering the laugh off because I found your notepad with jokes on it. And she reads one of the jokes that he wrote, which was um, when I was young, my mother wore so much makeup. Her pillow looks like a picture with a clown on it. I have some thoughts. One. That is a funny joke. I don't think it's funny. It's a funny call. It's a funny riff that you can do when you're doing a bit about your mother, meaning that like you can have a lot of quick hits. That's where dad jokes come in. In mm -hmm. stand up, if you're doing a bit and you wanna do some quick hits about sort of just like call, just call and repeat. It's, really, it's a call and repeat to the audience. Mm -hmm. Say a thing, they laugh, you double up on it. Mm -hmm. Do It's like the power of three and then you end mm -hmm. it at that, like the big one. And it's, Got so it. that's how that could work. Got it. I also felt like comedians don't usually write an entire joke down for a set that he would just write mom clown because he knows do. the joke up here. Why some are you writing though. the joke verbatim on some, a notepad? Some do. It's it's very strange to me that I've seen some very rarely, I will admit, because I like you'll see uh, where's my joke book. But there's uh, whenever I'm doing a set or anything, really, I and you even had this when we interviewed um, Billy Sullivan. I don't work in full on questions. I work mm -hmm. in sort of just like keywords and I, cause yeah. I have to put it into my own words and that's the same for, for jokes. Yet, if you go see seven shows of mine, the jokes will sound all the same. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the difference between you and I, I am a teleprompter host. So yeah. I, uh, with the ability to uh, riff here and there, oh, sorry, <laughs> that's my alarm. Um, okay. So, um, so then, so he so Blanche reads the joke, uh, the mom clown joke, and Chewie's like, "Hey, you can't do that." And Blanche is like, "Thank you, Chewie." And Chewie's like, "I'm doing a pillow joke." <laughs> um, and you know, Matthew's like, "You shouldn't have invaded my privacy." And Blanche is like, "You're not doing the show. You're not going to do this to me." So 
structurally from a story standpoint. Yeah. Blanche's issue initially was that he was abandoning a stable job for an unstable one. But yeah. now her problem is that the material is about her. So now we, I'm just pointing this out. Blanche has two separate problems with her son. Spoiler, it goes back to being about the first thing in the next scene. Yeah. Um, I'm but- really just thinking of like, my mom wears so much makeup. And then fill in the bits. I'm like thinking of possibilities. You're like writing alt jokes. You're writing funnier alt jokes in your head. That should be your golden takeaway. You have until the end of this podcast. I can't know the stress. Okay. Okay. Um, But the end of the scene is really funny and and it kind of buys it all back for me. So we should just play it. Maybe I should talk to Matthew. You think you can help? I know I can help. I have over a thousand Blanche slut jokes. (laughs) Oh. I love Sophia. I love I her so much. It, she's so perfect. I love it. Um, so Rose, meanwhile, returns from her date with not the ghost of Charlie. Um, this is where I write. I wrote, I think he's going to kill her. He's like, he's just, he's in her face in a weird way. And he's like, I feel really comfortable with you. <laughs> and when you feel comfortable, you allow yourself to feel wonderful things. And I was like, he's gonna kill her. He's not gonna kill her. He's just soft-spoken and sweet. There's a look in his eye. Again, I'm so sorry. I did not recognize the actor. I was trying to do my due diligence and I was juggling a baby and I'm going to use that excuse until she's 18. But I was like (laughs) Googling all the other actors and I was making sure I knew how old Pia Zadora was when she married an older guy whose name I don't even remember. (laughs) And I did not look up this actor. He's so sweet. I think it's I think it's very sweet. This this connection he has with Rose and and the thing that he says and I, I is it this scene that he says this where he says whenever you look at me you're going to think about him very similar no, to no because she hasn't told him yet oh that's right sorry yes not this scene. no but he does kiss her and then she kisses him <sighs> whatever I'm just glad he didn't kill her so the next morning in the kitchen Blanche comes down she announces that she won't be going to the comedy show so Roland can sell another ticket which like Blanche, were you going to so sit dramatic. at the table? Did you buy um, a ticket to your own comedy show? I know. I was like, <laughs> you the owners don't. Okay. Um, and um, Sophia goes, no, no, you have to go. I sold Matthew this one joke and no one will get it if they can't see you. <laughs> and I thought that was so great. Cause that's one of those A to C jokes where you have to like fill in the blanks. Um, so now Blanche is now Blanche is back to being upset that Matthew's not going to be a stockbroker anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's what she says that he's like throwing away his life, whatever. Um, and then there's a great part where, um, Sophia like changes the subject by, uh, she says that like Blanche may be acting irrational, but Rose is the one who went on a date with a, you know, dude who looks like Charlie. So like Sophia, like rats are out to Blanche and Rose goes to Sophia how would you like me to iron out the wrinkles on your face, you little snitch? <laughs> and Sophia's like, I'd love that. Yeah, I would too, actually. That's why yeah. I get Botox. Um, so Rose uh, Rose thinks that she may love not the ghost of Charlie. 
and the other women weigh in and the exchange is actually pretty funny you, you should know what to i'm it. going through oh you don't think i miss my george and that i miss my sal yeah you don't think that i've dated men just because they laughed like george or had his eyes and that i don't see my sal in the faces of a thousand chimps at the monkey house <laughs> You know, I went out with a girl in high school for about three months, and uh, every now and again I see someone who reminds oh, me of... Oh, come back in 40 years when you got a story to tell, will you? Um, oh, I love it. Sophia just... just Yeah, I mean... Just Sophia, shut the door and roll Sophia in. Sophia is like... On, Sophia's the one who should be doing stand-up this episode. Seriously, she had some zingers. She did. Um, so Rose thinks that if she tells not the ghost of Charlie that he looks like charlie that he'll yeah. leave um but she's like you know what though i'm i'm gonna do it um and then rose points out and i actually kind of thought this moment was i i thought this was kind of sweet where i thought this moment was so sweet yeah you know rose points out to blanche she's like you're lucky if you want to see george you can just look at matthew he acts like george he thinks like george you know he's exactly like his father and this kind of like you know, this sticks with Blanche. She's like, she finishes a sentence. She's like, he's exactly like his father. Yeah. Um, so then Blanche is like, I need to go talk to Matthew. And then I know we just played a clip, but we have to play this exchange with Sophia and Roland. Excuse I love me. it so much. I think I want to talk to my son. You know, every once in a while, I remember how much I need that male voice in my life too. You want me to get Dorothy on the phone for Would you? you I mean, any callback to Dorothy yeah. is fine by me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's so perfect. And it's such a, it is doubling down on the whole, like, B. Arthur masculine sort of jokes that she hated. But I do love it still. It's just, it's nice to be, it's nice that they still acknowledge Dorothy yes. in the show. You know, yeah. it's just nice that they acknowledge her really once in a while. Yeah. Um, so Blanche finds Matthew sitting in the lobby and she sits down with him on the couch and she's like, did I ever tell you the story about how I met your father, which was a really nice plug for the Hillary Duff show past Golden <laughs> Girls writers. Um, so I guess George turns out was a barker at a carnival while he was putting himself through college. Um, and then after he became a lawyer, every once in a while, he would still kind of put on the straw hat and be silly. But once he was sort of an established professional, he gave it up. Um, and she's like, so I, I want you to go out there and be silly. I think it would make your father proud of you. Like, and I'm proud of you, whatever you want to do. Um, and I thought that was sweet. It was, it was really sweet. It's like, it's, I love the evolution of Blanche whenever it happens. And mm -hmm. I, and I, I think moments where Blanche is able to be maternal is mm -hmm. very rare. We don't see it that often or you're, you know, familial in a way, like mm -hmm. you don't see it that often with her. She's very sort of um, selfish sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's nice to see her break and consider someone else. Yeah. I just kind of wish, and again, this is, we've only had a season of this show. It's just, it all happened so fast that I'm like, I'm not invested in Matthew because yeah. we literally have just met him. And he's like, I'm making a big change in my life. I felt like at least when we would see like Dorothy and Michael um, and, you know, Michael wanted to like, he, you know, for a couple episodes, he was like in the band and then he comes back and he's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be in the band anymore. Yeah. And I just felt like we at least got a chance to kind of get to know Michael 
a little bit, yeah. you know, I, I yeah. think maybe the first episode we even meet him is just, he's in town and it's when Rose's daughter's in town and they yeah. hook up. Trust me. Um, I remember that episode. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know you like do. it's yesterday. I mean, it's, I know. Oh, don't bring you close me your eyes. You can picture him sitting up with Blanche's oh, wallpaper in her bedroom it. behind him. Shirtless. Picture it. I can paint it, <laughs> paint it for me and then come up with a stand-up joke. <laughs> um, so, um, so then not the ghost of Charlie is sitting in the dining room. He's waiting for Rose. Um, and she sits down and she shows him photos of her and Charlie. And he's like, that's me and you like sitting on a cow. And she explains like, this is actually my husband, Charlie. You look just like him. Um, and she guesses that she kind of just wanted to extend the fantasy of like him being around by hanging out with this guy. Um, and she says that she continues to, you know, she wants to continue seeing him and he brings up a really good point. He's like, you know, but would you ever be able to think of me without thinking of Charlie, you know? And she's like, you know, I guess not. And he's like, yeah, then this, this won't work. I get, I'm just going to leave. And he's being really respectful about it. So respectful and Mm -hmm. so sweet about it. And it makes me wonder at their ages, you know, finding love and, and relationships and dealing with love and relationships, it's it's different from people our ages or even people younger really um or people who are middle-aged you know in the, mm-hmm. the their 50s and and 60s even in that that they they have a whole lifetime of emotional memories that mm-hmm. are part of every relationship you get into you know and if we are any new relationship we get into our past experiences in love are a part of that relationship mm-hmm. and it's and i can't imagine what it must be like to be widowed and to bring that to a new relationship and how you handle that and the way he, you know, handled it with her, the way Bill, Eddie Albert handled it with Rose, I thought was so sweet and so respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very sweet. And, you know, he was like, I'm going to go and she didn't want him to go. And, and I think like, and then this is where we sort of get to the heart of, I think, why Rose didn't want to tell him because she knew he would leave and she didn't want him to leave because Charlie left so fast and yeah. she never really got to yeah. say goodbye. Um, and, and then suddenly. it's so sweet. Yeah. And so suddenly, and, yeah. and that's why I said, I don't, maybe they just didn't want to make that joke of like Rose killed him in bed. Yeah. Um, but he said, if you could say goodbye to Charlie, what would you say? And then she, Betty white. And again, I think now knowing that Betty white sort of anytime she was talking about Charlie on the show, especially with the birthday monologue that she was actually thinking of her late husband, Alan. Yeah. And I feel like in these moments, I'm getting goosebumps just, just thinking about it. Um, I feel like you can, and I mean, of course she was an incredible actor as well, but I think you can really see her channeling really deep inside those feelings that she had about her husband, her, you know, husband in real life having passed. Yeah. Cause her performance is, it's just stunning. Um, but yeah. she says, and it's not really a big speech, it. but it's sweet. And, um, so she says, as if she's talking to Charlie, she says the 30 years that we spent together seemed like a day when you died, part of me died too. I love you. And I miss you. Mm. Um, and it's like, oh, it's so heartbreaking and so just poignant. And, yeah. um, and he just says goodbye, Rose. And she says, thank you, Bill. Um, and you know, she's sad and, um, Sophia comes out and Rose is like really upset. She's crying and Sophia's like, wants to cheer her up. And she's like, come see my friend, the comedian. 
So they go into the ballroom. Which is like, I mean, it. you know what it remind me of? There's an episode, anyone who ever watched Mama's Family, there's an episode of Mama's Family where Mama does stand up. and But it's like, because Vinton, her son, does really badly. And so she has to, she's forced to go up there and do stand up because Vinton sucks at stand up or whatever. And the room, the set that they were on, because I mean, stand up shows, you look at Seinfeld, I've said that a lot this episode, but you look at Seinfeld, you look at any other stand up on television, the rooms are so small, which mm-hmm. is, I will admit, not unlike many rooms I've performed in, yeah. but they're so small that they all look the same in every single sitcom. Every single sitcom, every stand-up room looks the same to me. Well, I think the, I mean, the sort of brick background, Seinfeld stand-up room, absolutely for that. This is also like, I feel like when Bob Hope performed, which is they don't show you a lot of space Mm -hmm. in the show, but you're meant to think it's a big space. So they've got the giant curtains and the banquet table, the banquet hall tables and stuff, but it really is like, I mean, you only get a couple extras. Um, so they go, they show up to the ballroom and there's a man surrounded by women in like sequin dresses and they kind of part the Red Sea. And that's when we reveal it's George Burns, you know, comedy icon, one of the women, and I can't, it's hard. I can't really blame her when they, the sort of the crowd breaks and then it's on George Burns and he's getting an applause break. One of the women in the sequin dress she like kind of looks to the left and looks to the right. And then she looks right down the barrel of the camera. Yeah. Like she doesn't know. And I'm like, Oh, this poor woman, because like, what are they supposed to be doing? Cause yeah. the, the audience is like applauding for so long. So they're just kind of standing there smiling, but she kind of looks around, just watch that scene. She looks right into the lens. I love it. Strikes it. I love it. Um, uh, so then he tries to cheer Rose up. He offers her a cigar, does the whole George Burns thing. Um, and then he sings a song for her. I don't remember. Maybe, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't remember him. I'm sure he sang in his time, in his career, because he had such a long career. But I never really recalled him being a singer. And he wasn't particularly good singer. <laughs> I was I was here for it. I mean, I was I'm okay with it. I, just, it. I would rather George Burns do stand-up, you know? I was enjoying it, but I hear you. It's we all, they literally talk about comedy throughout. I, I, like, and again, I, I get it. They didn't have time for it, I guess, but like- They could have made time. Sure they, like, they didn't need to do the George Burns thing, really. It was yeah. just, it was stunt casting. Yeah. Like it, it actually would have been a nice payoff. I understand that the, 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 the Blanche Matthew storyline was about her being supportive of him. And that's all that really mattered. But we did. We literally didn't see anybody do stand up, which yeah. it maybe would have been. And I'm sure for that actor too, for for Bill, um, you know, as someone who was a stand up, getting this part and then being like, oh wait, I don't actually get to do any yeah. stand up. Oh bummer! Yeah. Like you cast a comedian, but you, then he doesn't do any stand up. It would have been nice if you just lifted the George Burns yeah. of it because it wasn't necessary to then see Blanche's son. Do stand up that's not about her in a mean way, yeah. but maybe he tells a joke that's not about how she looks. And it's kind of yeah. like a, ah, but I love my mom. She's great. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that. That would have been sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, George Burns sings to cheer Rose up for the last few minutes. Um, and then the tag of the episode is because I was like, the show ended and I was like, wait a minute, what about Chewy doing stand up? And then the tag of the episode, Roland also in the ballroom introduces Chewy 
And I remember pausing it. Chewie gets out on stage and I was like, there's 19 seconds left. What are we going to get? And Chewie is so nervous that he can't say anything. He just runs off stage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the episode. I mean, it was such a bonkers episode, but I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. It's the show has okay. the show has completely gone off rail. Well, well, I think we can I we think we can arguably say that things are amiss and they're they're attempting to get back on track and to get ratings up and to save it for a second season. It probably at this point had no sign of getting a second season and you can it shows, but it's not bad. I'm not I'm not hating. I mean, in fact, I'm very much enjoying watching it. Oh, I won't say any of them are like bad. No, they're not but, bad, but things are going, things are going cuckoo. Yeah. The, I I've said it before. I'll say it again. To me, the best stories are not the ones that deal with the business of the hotel. It's when yeah. you have relationship stories between your characters, a yeah. great Blanche and Rose story. Give it to me all day. This was a good setup of a business opportunity at the hotel leading to a relationship development between Blanche and her son. And I was here for that. And Rose finding, you know, some peace. Yeah, that's to me the the closure of it all for Rose. Or I don't even know if you can call that closure. Just, or maybe just- It'll never be closure. It'll never be closed. Yeah, or maybe it was just like a, you know, Rose just having to deal with grief in a different way. He probably went to bed that night with some really lovely memories of Charlie. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Should we come back with a golden takeaway? I think that would be golden. I I have some jokes written down. Oh, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) I've been thinking. Oh, and we are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what is your golden takeaway from this episode? Um, I, my golden takeaway from this episode is um, that I, I will never, ever bark to sell comedy tickets. Yeah, no, never. Ever again, especially when you only get paid in commission. So you only yeah. get paid if you sell. So if you if you fail, if you try really hard and you fail, you don't get any money. And that's discouraging. And I'm just thankful that I'm in a place in my life where I don't hopefully don't think I'll ever have to do that again. But I'd rather, I don't know, I'd rather like cut off a piece of my body and try to sell it, I think. Yeah. That's why I like drag because with drag <laughs> I, can, I can still do stand up, but I am guaranteed to leave a show with money because I will always get tips and I will always. It's just, it's just, drag has made stand up so much more fun for me. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's definitely made it more fun. You um, get some so jokes. I do. My golden takeaway is the setup for for Matthew's joke about my mom wore so much makeup, and I was thinking okay. of other alts that he could go down. Some of them I don't love because, again, I've only worked on these for the last 30 minutes. So I'm <laughs> while we've been in discussion. So you're only half so, able to work. Yeah, my brain is sort of back and forth. But here's here's a few. So um, my mom wore so much makeup. Uh, I oh, whoa, what did I say? My mom wore so much makeup that I was I sometimes thought that my mom was RuPaul. Um, my mom <laughs> wore so much makeup uh, that I thought rosacea was a shade of lipstick. Um, here's one that I like. I, this one might be my favorite. I have two more, but my, my favorite is. 
My mom wore so much wake up, makeup. It wasn't until college I learned that pillowcases weren't washcloths. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a funny one because, you know, I like that one. Yeah. Sort of like Matthews a little bit. Yeah, um, it's better. My personal favorite, which is so dark, which is why I like it, but it's, um, it, I don't think it makes sense, is my mom wore so much makeup. When she died, I thought she was just taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> You get it? Because she always wears so much makeup, you wouldn't be able to tell she's dead. Yeah, the, <laughs> the rigor mortis and the blue and the, yeah, that's good. I love how much you're laughing at your own jokes. That brings uh, me so much joy. Those were great. Thank you. Those were great. You were recording a podcast and fully engaged in conversation. Um, I think listeners go back and listen. They'll they'll find little pauses of you saying something and me being like, Yeah. <laughs> I'm face to face with you and I didn't even notice. Oh god. Oh I gosh. Like the dead one. I like the dead one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a yeah. good one. Um, wow, <sighs> everyone, that has been today's fun. podcast episode. This it was, was yeah, fun. This was fun. I had a good yeah. time. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, and be sure to tune in next week when we watch You've Lost That Living Feeling. Which is a reference to one of my favorite songs from Top. Is it Top Gun? I think it's one. Or it was it was popularized in top gun you lost lost that, that love and feeling, feeling. yeah Ooh, that love and feeling Apparently if you thought saying, top gun maverick is amazing i'm just saying i haven't seen it yet I um it, but yeah uh if you think this week's episode was wild wait until next week's episode oh really is it just yeah. bonkers i know you haven't seen it yet but no. it, it's does it have it the is, moment uh i don't know but no. it's the st just the story is it's wild okay it's, okay um yeah oh guys this has been so much fun now you know we are on the hoo ha ha network and i'm actually doing i think i'm doing um a pride show for hoo ha ha maybe really? i cool. think so as sadie so sometime in if you're in los angeles i'll get i think it's june 24th i could be wrong on that but just follow us on social media and you'll you'll learn information about that um but hoo ha ha, we're on hoo ha ha, and you can find us. You can find hoo ha ha on all the things, and you should download the app because hoo ha is fantastic, and they have lots of wonderful podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, Out on the Lanai Official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook, and I am H. Allen Scott and Sadie Pines on everything. And I am Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you all have a minute, please rate and review the podcast wherever you get the podcast, because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up, the more people will discover it. And we'll all be Golden no, Girls fans more, who love we each other. Comments. I want to know what you guys are thinking. So if you love the podcast, I we applore, applore you, applore you, applore you, implore, 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 you. implore, thank you, implore you to go leave a little comment on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts because we would love to hear what you think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I, and remember. As always, remember. <laughs> stay golden. Stay golden. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Hit the button. I want to hear it. Oh, God. Oh, God. I hit the wrong I'm button. Not kidding. <laughs> One more time. I'm not kidding. Thank you. But I am kidding because it's a joke about makeup and washcloths go out on that